Hello and welcome to Anything That Moves, a Maniv Mobility podcast for the mobility curious. I'm your host, Mayor Dardashti. As a mobility-focused VC fund, we get to have all kinds of interesting conversations with founders, industry leaders, and other ecosystem players. The Anything That Moves podcast is our chance to bring more people into these conversations about the future of how people and goods get from here to there and back, faster, cheaper, and safer. Before we get started, the team at Moneyv wants to hear from you. If you have feedback, or if you are the founder of a company in the mobility space, or even if you aspire to be one, please reach out to us directly via the form on our website, www.moneyv.com. That's M-A-N-I-V.com, and click Get in Touch. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Yoav Levy of Upstream. I'm really, really excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome to Anything That Moves. It's nice to, good to see you. Hi, Mary. I'm Mayor. Great, uh, great to, to join this podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. So, I, yeah, I, I'm really curious to hear. Um, you know, first of all, let me give you a chance to, to introduce exactly what is Upstream, uh, what does it do, uh, and uh, we can work from there. Sure, sure. So, in Upstream, we build a, a cloud-based cybersecurity and data analytics solution for the manufacturers and the ecosystem around the mobility services. Uh, so we are helping the manufacturers to secure their connected vehicles, uh, both against cybersecurity, but also against uh, different areas around fraud uh, on the mobility services uh, themselves. We're working today with, uh, with uh, a few of the OEMs, with some of the OEMs in production, some of them, some of the others we are working as part of a proof of concepts. Um, and uh, we are gaining uh, like an excellent traction in the market. So, you know, when we talk about automotive cybersecurity, I, I think that, you know, people have, uh, Hollywood has a very interesting idea of, of, of what it means for a car to be hacked. And I, I have to give you credit that last year you actually released a video of you, uh, your team hacking a brand new car uh, from far away. Am I, am I not wrong? Am I right? Yeah, yeah. We have done some uh, some crazy stuff like hacking of uh, a a vehicle while we were in uh, in Vegas, actually, in CES. Uh, the hacker was in Boston and the car was driving in Tel Aviv. Uh, and what we demonstrated is how we can take like full control in the car remotely, uh, hijack the car. And actually, we also demonstrated first time like a ransomware on the car where the driver couldn't get into the car. They were like using the keys trying to unlock the door that the door was just locked. No one could get into the car. That was, that was cool. So, I mean, first of all, we'll include a link to that, uh, to that video in the, in the description here, because it's really a cool video. Um, but how much of this is still, um, you know, your team going ahead and, you know, white ha- as a white hat hacker coming in and showing it's possible and how much of this is actually happening already? So, so, you know, by the way, we are also running like a, an annual report on what is really happening in the automotive cybersecurity space, uh, mainly around the public and reported incidents. So 2020 was the first year that we had more black hat versus white hat. So more like bad actors uh, actually found ways to, to, do, to make money out, out of these hacks. Uh, and we're seeing this uh, trend going uh, also in 2021 as well. So we're seeing hackers using, uh, you know, cybersecurity to steal cars. Actually, today, um, 
I, I wouldn't say majority, but a lot of the, the car still, car theft is being done by, um, by cybersecurity, by uh, programming the key code uh, and use like a dump key to, to start the engine or hacking the mobile applications where sometimes they can be used as a remote access to the car. Uh, so hacking the mobile application to steal someone else's cars. So we're seeing these trends. And I think the majority of the, the bad actors are actually using uh, cyber to steal cars and steal data. You know, data is very, very sensitive, uh, mainly around this private data, around where you are driving, what are you doing with the car. Um, so both stealing cars and stealing data are the, the main, uh, the main uh, drivers for bad actors to hack cars. Especially on the data side, have we seen evidence yet that there are state actors involved in this arena as well, or is this still primarily, you know, petty car thieves and 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 you know petty uh, petty hackers? So it's it's an interesting question. As part of uh, one of our product is a threat intelligence. Threat intelligence we call it auto threat. Auto threat is how we provide intelligence into the automotive ecosystem around uh, public, but also dark web and deep web. And on the deep web and dark web, we're actually seeing group of, uh, of hackers that are looking at uh, different ECUs or different infotainment system. Uh, we don't know if it's like organized by states or if it's uh, something that is uh, pure cyber criminal. Uh, we're still investigating these, but uh, definitely we're seeing an, an increased uh, attention from the cyber criminal uh, uh, looking like how they can make more money out of the hacking vehicles. Can we, can we step back and, and zoom out a little bit? Um, you know, I, I think that the whole idea of cybersecurity in the cloud makes an assumption that your car is connected to some kind of cloud. Now, I think that, the, you know, it's not unusual to assume that that's someone else's car. Um, I, I want to get an idea of what, what percentage of cars rolling off the line today are connected? You know, is, is this still a luxury phenomenon um, or are mass market cars today connected already? So, so I would say that the mass market of new vehicles are actually going out of the factory with connectivity. So if you take like most of the brands you're actually familiar with, if it's, uh, I don't know, BMW, Daimler, uh, even, you know, uh, Toyota, uh, Ford, GM, GM are doing it for, you know, long, long time. And, and of course, the commercial vehicles that are connected for many years, the majority of the new models have embedded connectivity. So they are leaving the factory with, uh, with a TCU, which is a modem in a SIM card and are connected into the manufacturer uh, for many reasons. Many reasons, uh, one of them is to be able to provide the consumer with applications uh, so they can you know, control the car, uh, locate the car and, and run some different uh, uh, diagnostic on the car. And, and on the other hand, they want to, they're doing over their updates, like updating the firmwares of the car and, and uh, and there are, of course, other applications where the main target is to monetize the connected car data. So today, at least according to um, different research group, there are around 200 to 250 million connected vehicles on the road uh, right now. Wow. 
and and it's fair to assume that if you're driving, you know, the typical American car, you know, a thirty thousand dollar crossover that could be from any brand, you know, but but you know that typical American new car is is probably connected, right? Yeah, probably I would say eighty eighty to ninety uh, percent. Uh, the chances that the car is, has has connectivity, as I mentioned, the majority of the manufacturers are using only connected cars. So on the on the OEM side, um, you know, the, these are companies that are starting to talk to uh, talk about themselves like they're software companies, you know, for at, at, on investment days, but but they're not there yet. Um, you know, these are these are traditional manufacturers. To what extent, how ready are OEMs to handle this data? Do they know what to do with this? It's a good question. I think it's uh, it, it, there are there are manufacturers that are more advanced than the other. So if you if you look at Tesla, of course, and and you know these new EV startups that I would say they are like the the most advanced on the way that they are uh, you know controlling the data, handling the data, and using the data you know to improve the ownership experience, customer experience, and uh, and so on. But I believe that. Uh, many of the other OEMs are actually following them and and becoming uh, much more uh, uh, professional in the way that they are handling the data. Uh, and so so the trend is very clear. There are some that are more advanced than the others, but definitely uh, you can see many of these car companies are hiring chief data officers, taking data more seriously. Uh, putting resources like data science, data analysts, uh, cloud developers, data engineers. So, so definitely, um, we can see a clear trend uh, uh, moving into digital transformation and data. And when when you think about the automotive cybersecurity, I think conceptually there are, there are two arenas of cybersecurity. Tell me if you disagree with this fundamentally. Of you know, inside the car itself. Uh, and kind of that data in the cloud. Um, and to some extent, your company's chosen to focus more on, on that data in the cloud. You know, what, why, why, why that side? Um, do you see specific vulnerabilities there? Do you think it's a more interesting uh, angle of the cybersecurity? Or do you think this distinction is, is you know, totally uh, arbitrary? Yeah, so, so you'd say that, uh, you know, cybersecurity is... is um... Usually it's built from layers, like layers of security. If you take like the enterprise space, so you may have like an antivirus on your laptop. You can have like a firewall on the on the end on the gateway into the enterprise. Then you have different cloud security securing your applications, etc. So these are layers of security. Same goes into the automotive space. So you have companies building the in-vehicle security, like an antivirus uh, on the car, we, we, are, we are focused on, on the cloud side. Uh, and um, the reason we decided to, to go to the cloud versus inside the vehicle is that when you're running in the cloud, it actually gives us uh, like a bird eye view of the entire smart mobility uh, service. So we see the whole fleet of vehicles because we are centralized, we're in the cloud. We see the mobile phone application data. We see the different uh, entities that are related, that are connected into the smart mobility services. So sitting in a centralized way, 
uh, allow us to have a better understanding on the service, on the vehicle itself, on the on the on on the um, communication, like uh, over-the-air updates that we see, commands that are being sent into the car, and um, and we're actually enabling the the manufacturers to operate a vehicle security operation center uh, in a centralized way, so they can have a one system that helps them to monitor their whole fleet of vehicles, their whole services um, uh, in, in one place. But again, it's not like uh, upstream can solve all the problem of cybersecurity in the world. It's more like uh, layers of security. So in-vehicle security is also important as another layer to a centralized security of what upstream is doing. So if you're sitting in this automotive data cloud, it begs the question of, of how, you know, cloud-based uh, 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 enterprise cloud security is, is a huge field in and of itself. Why is automotive different? Why is it that this one use case, especially, I mean, we can even talk about, about uh, industrial use cases. You know, there are plenty of, of, of enterprise uh, uh, industrial cloud you know, security solutions. Why does automotive need its own focused solution? Yeah. So yeah, so when we started the like the company, we looked at like uh, you know enterprise type of security solutions, uh, and um, I think automotive is like a unique animal. It's it's something else. The reason is that uh, the main reason is the telematic server that is communicating with the vehicle is not like an, a web server or, or an app server. It's actually a command and control server. What it means is that it can send different commands to the vehicles, like uh, over their update, like uh, unlock the door, uh, stop engine, start engine, etc. cetera. Uh, so it, it can actually control the entire fleet. Uh, and, uh, and this is something you don't have in, in the enterprise space. Another reason that we, we believe that automotive cybersecurity need like a purpose-built solution is that each of the manufacturers have their own telematics protocols. So each one of them is using a different protocol, different data structure, different dictionary. So they need to normalize this data into a unified language. We call it like upstream unified dictionary. So, uh, and, mo and a lot of the decisions around if there is an anomaly or there is a threat really depends on the vehicle state. So if the vehicle is driving, if it's parking, if it's an engine on, engine off, etc. So these tools need to understand not only the data, but also the state of the car. And, uh, and of course, when you have an enterprise security solution, they know what is a computer, they know what is a, a mobile phone application, but they don't understand what is a car, what's the state of the car. Uh, and this is why we understand that, we understood that uh, this industry need like a purpose-built automotive cloud solution. This is why we created this segment. We were the first company to build uh, an automotive cloud security solution. Uh, and, and today we have uh, we have uh, millions of connected vehicles on our platforms. Do you? I mean, now that you're you're already like you said, you're working with several OEMs. You're in uh, POCs with several others. Um, you have millions of cars on your platform. Um, you're sitting with some degree of access, like you said. Your platform requires you to know certain things about the state of the car, 
um, you know, and, and about both on a fleet level and a car level, what's going on. Um, where do you go with that data? Uh, what do you do with that data? Is there, is there um, something you can do with kind of this God's eye view of the data lake that some of these OEMs are working with? Is there any way that you can add extra value um, more yeah. than just protection? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, we've started to work with uh, manufacturers around using the telematics data for additional use cases. Uh, use cases such as uh, reducing the warranty claims, which is huge. So detecting failures in different ECUs on the field and allow the, allowing them to detect it uh, uh, as fast as they can before they need to do like a huge recall or uh, and fix this in uh, as, as quickly as they can. So quality is huge, uh, both for warranty claims and predictive maintenance. Uh, customer experience or ownership experience. So using the data uh, in order to improve the ownership experience, like uh, uh, when you take need to take the car into the service shop, why don't we automate the workflow for you? Uh, Etc. So, uh, customer experience is another area, and I think the one of the most interesting areas that we are now uh, working in is the insurance space, like using the telematics data in order to automate workflows around uh, car accidents, for example, the detection of a car accident, and uh, automating the workflows around it, like uh, acceleration of the first notification of loss, you know, the claim process, um, etc. So, so the connected car data can be valuable for many industries, not only for the OEMs themselves, but also do, to insurance companies, to fleets, uh, uh, and others. And this is and using upstream expertise in this data can provide a lot of uh, value-added services uh, beyond cybersecurity. Yeah, in speaking with uh, automotive uh, executives in the last couple of months, it, it's it's become apparent that the, the OEMs are starting to realize that this data is is part of their competitive edge, um, and, and that you know the same way that the way that Toyota tuned its engines was a part of the profile of the company historically. Um, the way that they tune their data and work with their data is is going to be there, especially in the electric era, uh, going to be there. They're part of the way that they distinguish themselves. Have Have you seen that there are actual areas of data or types of data that they wall off even from you? Things that are so so sensitive and so private that they say, you know, even this this is ours and and you can't touch. Yeah. So so first upstream approach is that. The manufacturers, they don't need to send the data to upstream. We are actually running and deploying our service inside their cloud. Uh, what it means is that their data, you know, private data, proprietary data remains in their cloud. So upstream have no intention to get the data outside of the manufacturing cloud. And this is why they're feeling more comfortable with using our solution uh, from the reasons that you just mentioned. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I, I think with any cybersecurity application, um, especially before you're seeing, you know, before there are news reports about actual Jeeps blowing up on the highway, um, you know, cyber, selling cybersecurity is tricky um, because it's inherently, it's, it's protection against risk and against a very unknown risk. Um, and I think for a long time, and tell me if this isn't what you've experienced, there was kind of a chicken and egg problem with OEMs. 
Um, first of all, who's responsible for cybersecurity problems? Is it their problem? Is it the tier one's problem? Um, is it the customer's problem? Um, but also just who who was going to buy this? Who's incent, you know, the, was the instructive incentive structure aligned? Are, are you seeing changes that are that are um, uh, uh, changing the way that 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 sales process looks? Um, are you are you seeing that people are running to adopt cybersecurity as a um, you know proactive step and not just as a, as a you know coming out of the PR budget or out of the R and D budget? Yeah, so it's a, it's a good question. I think what's actually driving the market right now is is a new cybersecurity regulation. Uh, you know, automotive is a, is a highly regulated industry, and there are many of the OEMs that uh, you know if they are not being forced to take actions on, they're not doing it in some cases. And, uh, but because there is a new uh, cybersecurity regulation uh, in the automotive called the uh, ISO 21434 and WP29. I'm very impressed uh, by the way. I, every time I start saying the ISO, I, I, lose my, I lose track in the middle of the number. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm impressed you made it through. I, had a small, <laughs> I have a, no, a small note here. Remind, oh, that's good. I, I, I need that by this corner of my screen. That's what I need. <laughs> um, so this regulation is, is, um, is a UN regulation. What it means is that uh, it actually mandates or, or, or dictates that any manufacturer and technology vendor that is selling into the connected car space need to comply with certain uh, requirements on the design of vehicles, on, on like how you design vehicles, how you manufacture vehicles, and how you uh, operate the vehicles on a post-production. So, uh, if you're if the if if the OEMs are not comply with this regulation, it means that they cannot sell cars into the UN, uh, which means Europe, uh, Japan, and Korea. And the regulation is is starting in Japan uh, end of this year and uh, uh, applying in in Europe by the end of uh, 2022. So uh, first, I would say that uh, the manufacturers are forced to 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 make action and comply with the regulation. Um, second is that um, I think they are taking cybersecurity much more serious than it used to be like a few years ago. Uh, uh, and, uh, and we're seeing the manufacturers uh, building vehicle security operation centers uh, where they're actually uh, required to do so because of the regulation, but also they want to make sure that their consumers are safe and secure. Um, and they understand that because they are managing and, and the connectivity, and services they need also to secure them. Uh, so upstream, um, we are mainly focused on in, in the regulation on the post-production. Post-production means connected cars that are on the road. What the regulation is actually saying is that any car that has connectivity need to be monitored uh, from cybersecurity aspects for the lifetime of the car until the car is in like an end of life. Uh, so it's actually forced the manufacturers to build uh, a security operation for vehicles. And uh, upstream, our technology actually enables the, the vehicle security operation center to run. Uh, so we're seeing uh, uh, great progress in our engagements with, uh, with the manufacturers. 
Um, and as I mentioned, we have uh, several OEMs that are already in production um, and, uh, and a few that are in the pipeline of becoming customers. You know, I want to touch on that last point, uh, which is it's pretty, um, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and we have a full portfolio of companies working with OEMs. Um, to have a company that can come out right and say, we have X number of OEMs in production and Y number of OEMs in, in advanced POCs, it, it's a pretty unique uh, position to be in. And this is part of the dilemma of companies that are, that are you know, selling into the automotive space is OEMs are not always um, the most natural customers, at least you know, in, in the common uh, perception uh, for, for startups. Um, do you have any tips for an entrepreneur who's out there who has a solution that might be relevant to auto tech, who might be re relevant to sell into the traditional automotive industry? Do you have any tips, any tricks, um, anything you've learned uh, from working with these OEMs and, and from engaging in, in what were not short processes to get in? Um, mm -hmm. Any tips or any tips and tricks? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so, so I would say that our first trick is to avoid the production cycle. Uh, which is, uh, you cannot do this in many cases, but <clears throat> I think that if you can avoid this and, you know, sell software that is not inside the car itself and it's outside of the production cycle, then it becomes like an enterprise sale. Like you're selling into, you know, huge enterprise, but still it's an enterprise sale. So, and this is what Upstream is doing. Um, second is to be very, very persistent and, uh, and it's all about, you know, it's very, I, I know that everyone knows it, but it's all about, you know, building the trust and a relationship with these manufacturers with a lot of patient and, uh, and persistent, uh, so relationship, patient, persistent, and try to avoid the production, uh, cycle. It's. I have to say, a little bit frustrating. The answer is the best way to sell to cars is not to get into the car, but I'll, I'll accept that as a very valid answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that, you know, if you look at companies like Mobileye and others, they, you know, once you're inside the car, it's like, uh, it's like uh, winning the jackpot. Yeah. Uh, from uh, from uh, stickiness and from your ability to, you know, build a huge business. Um, but of course, it's more challenging. I'm going to give you um, one last chance before before we finish up with the podcast. Um, if you want to share the master password to Ford's Data Lake, this is your chance. So, uh, <laughs> if you want, we can talk after the podcast. But uh, this is your chance to broadcast it publicly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for your time, Yoav. Um, I really appreciate it, um, and. Uh, yeah, have a have a great day. Have a happy Pesach, and uh, looking forward to keeping track of of you know the really amazing things that that you've been able to accomplish. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mayor, and uh, happy Pesach. And uh, it was great talking to you. Awesome. Thank you to producer Lauren Luz for making this episode happen, and to Naomi Lazarov for post production help. If you like their work and were willing to put up with mine. Please rate and subscribe to Anything That Moves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whichever platform is winning the podcast for this week. Once again, for feedback or to reach out for investment, please go to maniv.com and click Get In Touch. You can also find us on Twitter at Maniv Mobility, 
LinkedIn, and Medium. Thanks for listening.